your presence, God. Lord, we thank you that our hearts are open to you today. Lord, I thank you for your strength and your power and your love. And Lord, that there's nothing missing in your presence. That Lord, just the peace of God is nothing missing, nothing broken. We pray that your presence would invade everything about us, everything about our our families, everything we're going through, everything in our city, God, everything in our nation, God. We know that when heaven touches earth, nothing's missing. We just ask you, Lord, where in these days it feels like there's such a gap between heaven and earth, there's such a, a tension between your will and your plan and what we're facing. We just ask that you would fill that gap, that you would meet us right where we are, that, Lord, you don't have to lead us with answers, but you lead us with promises that you would remind us of the promises that everything works for good that we're more than conquerors that we can overcome by your spirit that the law of spirit of life in Christ conquers sin and death that, that we are conquerors there's no condemnation for those that are in Jesus we thank you for your promises God we receive them today we don't need more wisdom we don't need more lofty arguments we need power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit so we ask you to do what you do in Jesus' name, in this place. Come on, anybody that believes that God can do miracles, would you give him a little bit of praise this morning? Yes. Come on, what's up? Next generation. What's up, Transformation Church Online? Give our online people a what's up. Come on. What's up? We love you. So thankful for you. Man, it is good to be in God's house. Real quick, before you grab your seat, I want you to look at a couple people and say, it is a good day in Jesus' name. Come on, grab your seat. Tell somebody, it's a good day in the house of God. We've got student takeover Sunday, and uh, I, I love, come on, we've got students all over this place. I think it's so important. The Bible says in, in the Psalms, it says that, that one generation will declare your mighty works to the next. And so it's so important that we as a generation of faith followers of Christ, that, that we declare that to the next generation, and now we see this generation declaring the faith and the power of God's miracles back to us, and so I'm so thankful for the church of Jesus Christ, that it is alive and well, and I think you're going to hear something from God today, and uh, many of you are like, do you ever preach here? You're the pastor, and uh, I, I, I usually take July off and kind of just let uh, some other people preach and bring the word and hear from other perspectives, and we have guest speakers in, and we've done that through July, and so Next week, I am going to be back uh, bringing the word, and so we're going to start a new series called How to Be Human. Come on. How to Be Humane. How to Be Human. I think we need that in this hour, and so I'm going to be preaching that series, been working on that, and, and God's been putting some things into my heart for us and our, our world, and so I'd encourage you to come to that and, and bring some people, and if you're online, come on, get a little watch party at your house. It's going to be a great series starting, but um, today we're going to hear from our student leaders and uh, Chris and his wife, Chris Desato, and his wife have been leading uh, under some of our next-gen leadership. Yep. I know many of you know Crystal Quince, Pastor Crystal Quince right there. She uh, leads a lot of things next-gen, has, has been handing the baton off to Chris and his wife a lot, and they're raising up, doing an amazing job with the, with the next-gen, and so you're going to hear from him today. He preached a standalone message a couple weeks back, and then you're going to hear from some of our student leaders. I've already heard him preach and kind of got to hear it, a little preview of it. It's going to be amazing. So would you give it up for our next-gen student team as they bring the word here today in Jesus' name. What is up, Transformation Church? First of all, can we go ahead and can we give a, a round of applause to our pastors who go ahead 
and believe in the next generation. That's so important. I thank you, Pastor Jamie and Pastor Sandra, for everything y'all doing, for believing in us and just giving us an opportunity to speak on this platform today. Um, what's up? My name is Chris. Today I want to talk to you about the idea of picking up the phone. Say pick up the phone. Say pick up the phone. Well, if you don't know, I am in the rental business, which means that I get phone calls all day long. We're talking like from the smallest problem to the biggest problem, from like, you know, 5 a.m. to 5 a.m. I get calls all the time, and I've, I've gotten two calls that I've answered that have been past midnight. And I'll tell you, I'm not a happy camper when I got to answer those calls, but I answered two calls past midnight. The first one was, was a tenant, you know, it's like 1 in the morning, I answer the phone, and they, they tell me, when are you going to cut the grass? When am I going to cut the grass? I was like, let me get my shoes on. I'll go out there right now. I'm like, don't call me ever again. I'm like slamming the phone down like my wife is still asleep. Like it's just, it's a mess, right? And I can't go back to sleep because I'm so upset. But that, I'm glad that didn't deter me from answering the next call because the second call that I got past midnight was a, a tenant calling me to tell me that the cops had been called in the community and there was a situation that was escalating. And thank God that I took that call at an inconvenient hour because it allowed me to go ahead and get into the situation and de-escalate it and, and be able to go ahead and, and help resolve it. But the question I have to y'all today is when God calls at an inconvenient hour, are we ready to answer that call? Listen, are we ready to answer that call? That reminds me of a guy in the Bible. His name is Samuel. And see, in, in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 2 through 10, it says, One night Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see. Who here has been that tired before? Can I get an amen? Come on now. <laughs> was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called to Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am. You called me? But Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. So we went and laid down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up, went to Eli and said, hey, I'm here. You called me. He said, my son, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. And the, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And a third time, the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli said to Samuel, go lie down, and if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and he did that. Listen, I, I love this because Samuel does two things. He listens, and then he responds. You see, some of us in here don't even want to go ahead and listen when God's trying to call us. It's like an iPhone at your bedside table, right? You sleeping, you know, you get that first phone call, you look, see who it is. Oh, it's just God. <laughs> put it back down. Like second call, you might go ahead and like hit the volume down button or you put the do not disturb. Some of y'all might have even turned off the iPhone. But I'm trying to tell you that God is not here to call you during convenient hours. Sometimes God calls you in inconvenient hours. You see, Samuel was trying to sleep. I don't know about y'all, but I get cranky when I'm tired. Like, I get cranky when I'm hungry, and I get cranky when I'm tired. But you see, God's trying to call you, but are you ready to get your schedule interrupted? You see, when God calls, not only does Samuel answer the call, but he also responds. You see, God could be trying to tell you a word of direction today. God be, could be trying to tell you a word of knowledge or the answer to a friend's problem or prayer. God be, could be trying to give you the breakthrough you've been praying for in COVID-19. But because you won't pick up the phone, you're not going to get the answers. You see, 
God's going to call you while you're trying to sleep. God's going to call you when you're at work. God's going to call you when you're at the gym. God's going to call you in the middle of that football game. God's going to call you in the middle of dinner. God's going to go ahead and call you when you're not doing what you're not supposed to be doing. God's going to call you in COVID-19. But my question is, are you ready to pick up the phone and answer the call of God? Good morning, Transformation Church. My name is Josh, obviously. Uh, I'm going to talk, I'm going to speak to you about purpose. So a few years ago, my family and I moved from Texas to Knoxville, Tennessee. And the whole moving was confusing to me because I thought that my purpose was in Texas. So moving to Knoxville really didn't make any sense. So I started questioning God, like, if you moved me from my purpose to no purpose, then why should I, why should I keep believing in you? You know? But God had a bigger purpose for me. I also thought that my purpose was to play football. Back in Texas, I, was, I used to play football. I was first string. I was pretty good, you know. So I was like, yo, I'm going to go to the big leagues. I saw myself playing college football. I saw myself going to the NFL. I was so hyped, so excited. I was ready. And I thought that football was my purpose. Until I got injured and was in the doctor's office. And he gives me the news that nobody wants to hear. He said, I broke my L5 and couldn't play football anymore. I was crushed, but I was mainly mad. I was big mad. I started screaming to God. I was like, really, God? First you moved me from Texas to Knoxville, and now you're taking football away from me? Like, really? But you see, God knew that the move from Texas to Knoxville was necessary and taking away football as my main priority was necessary to step foot in his house. But I just don't come to his house. I serve every Sunday. And God has allowed me to serve in TC Kids and in worship. You see in the Bible, there's this guy named uh, Joseph. And Joseph, he's the 11th child out of 12. That's a lot of kids, man. I don't know. But Joseph went from being a brother to a slave. That's... Like, what? Okay. Then, then Joseph went from a slave to a prisoner. Joseph was as confused as I was. I had to go from Texas to Knoxville and losing football. But then Joseph came from being a, sl a prisoner to being a second-in-command of Egypt. So he went from being a slave to a prisoner to second-in-command of Egypt because Joseph had a purpose. Yeah. Like, he... Like he had a purpose for me. I moved from Texas to Knoxville, from losing football to serving God every day because that's my purpose. My purpose wasn't in Texas. My purpose wasn't in football. My purpose was to serve him. Hear me out, transformation. The path to purpose isn't always pretty, but God's plan is always perfect. I'm going to say that again. The path to purpose isn't always pretty, but God's plan, it's always perfect. You might be going through something right now and it isn't looking pretty. And you're like feeling like you don't have a purpose here. And you're doubting God. But in Romans 8, 28 it says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. You see, God is probably telling you, stop talking to that guy. 
or stop talking to that girl to show you that you have a bigger purpose. Or you might be in a relationship that y'all are arguing a lot and that relationship isn't looking pretty, but you feel like if you leave him or you leave her, you think like you don't, you're not going to have a purpose because you think that your purpose is with him or with her. But we as humans, we are so ignorant that we prefer to, to struggle than to trusting God and allowing him to show you that you have a bigger purpose. Right now, this world is crazy. And you, and you are taking the changes of the world as an attack instead of seeing it as God's way of bringing you closer to your purpose. You see, I saw my changes in my life as if God was attacking me. So I stopped trusting him. But hear me out. Stop treating your change... Stop treating your changes as a stop sign to stop you as moving forward of the things that God has planned for, for you. You see, it's just like buying a house, right? You're, you're like so excited. You're like, I'm going to buy the house. And, and they're like, oh, yeah, you have the money? <laughs> of course. Uh, but then you go to do the paperwork, right? And they're like, yeah, yeah, but you, you have to uh, do all this paperwork. It's like a packet. And then you get discouraged. But that's not going to stop you to, from buying the house, right? So God is, is telling you, stop talking to that guy. Stop talking to that girl. But you're like, oh, no. My pur- but I think that's my purpose. But God says, if you, if you have that energy to, for, to uh, fill up the papers to buy your house, then why don't we have the same energy to trust in God to show us our bigger purpose? So my question to you is, will you allow God to move your locations, to find your purpose. Thank you. Hello. My name is Lexi Creed. I am a senior at the University of Tennessee. Go Vols. Um, I'm studying special education, and I'm a high school small group connect leader for the girls. What's up? Hey, Avery. Um, and today I'm going to talk to you guys about faithfulness. One of the biggest pictures of faithfulness to me in scripture is in Jonah. Um, so in Jonah 1, God called Jonah up to go to Nineveh to preach the word. And Jonah literally jumped on a ship and got as far as he possibly could from what God was calling him to do. On this ship, there was this giant storm that came and all the sailors were casting bets to see whose God actually created the storm. And all collectively, they decided to throw Jonah off the ship. Um, Then God calmed the storm. And God provided Jonah with this big old fish whale thing undecided to swallow him up. In Jonah 2, we found out that he was... He was safe, but also God used the belly of the whale to have a little powwow with him so he could get him in the right heart spot. And then God made the whale puke him up. And in Jonah 3, uh, God again told Jonah to go to Nineveh and preach the word. And this time, he obeyed. Wow! God made so many lives change through Jonah because of his obedience and stepping into his faithfulness. Uh, Faithfulness is a word that we hear often in church, but, like, what does that really mean? Um, So the definition of faithfulness for humans is faithful people fulfill their responsibilities and keep their word. When God asked Jonah to go to Nineveh, that was his responsibility. When he was on the ship, he claimed to know God, but he literally ran away from the action God was asking him to do to take on his faith. In James 2.17, it says, faith without action is dead. Jonah said he was faithful, but he refused to take action on his faith. As Christians, Jesus tells us to do two things. We have two responsibilities. The first one is to love God, and the second is to love people. 
first we're supposed to acknowledge that Jesus is Lord and believe it in our hearts, Romans 10, 9, and then we're supposed to talk about our faith. Mark 16, 15 says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Side note, God doesn't love us for the works that we do, but we do works because we love God. So how then do we practice our faithfulness? Well, God has already given you everything that you need in order to fulfill your responsibilities. He has provided Jesus to take our sin and then given scripture to teach us how to love each other better. We love God because we love God, but we love people because we love God. In Jonah 4, Jonah became super jealous of all the people that gave their lives to Christ in Nineveh, and he got big mad. So he told God to go ahead and just kill him. Uh, just like God wasn't done with Jonah, God is not done with you yet. God told him it wasn't his place to get jealous. He should rejoice for all of the life change that God provided. And, jo and Jonah was sitting underneath this, he was just sitting under the sun, and it was burning his head. And God provided him with this leaf to cover his head, and he was so happy, and he was content. He was like, thanks, God. But then uh, God gave this worm to eat the plant, and then the plant was gone, and he was again under the sun, scorching his head. And God... Jonah asked God to kill him again. Uh, just like God wasn't done with Jonah yet, he's still not done with you. It wasn't his place to get mad about something that God provided in the first place and then took away. Jonah didn't water it or tend to it. He just chilled underneath the provision of God that doesn't belong to Jonah in the first place. In different seasons, our provisions look different. In the beginning, Jonah was swallowed by a whale, and in the end, he was shaded by this giant leaf. The provisions were different, but he still, they still served the purpose that God intended them to. When I was in high school, I figured out that I have a unique gift for working with students with disabilities. I went through a little bit of conflict with the leadership of my SPED department in my high school, and ultimately I decided I was just going to quit trying to be a SPED teacher. It's like, it's not for me. It's not what God called me to do. And I almost gave up on my calling because of one little conflict. I tried a, different, a few different career paths, and none of them worked out. And God kept opening door after door to let me be able to experience working with students with disabilities. And I realized that that was my purpose. God was calling me to do that. I am made to be a special education teacher. I stopped running from my calling, and here I am, and I haven't looked back since. God has asked me to be a special education teacher so that I can, love, I can show the love of the Lord to students who are often overlooked. He has given me the ability and the provisions to love my students well. And I have chosen faithfulness in this, and I choose faithfulness in this every single day. I believe that I am created for this purpose. God asked me to wear this ring on my hand so I can outwardly demonstrate the obedience of prioritizing my purity and I continue to step into faithfulness every single day. It is a choice. I have never felt closer to God in my entire life. What if God is asking you to stop running from something that he asked you to do a long time ago? He is asking you right now to choose faithfulness so that there can be life change and Jesus' name be made great. Maybe God is asking you to take a break from social media or walk away from a toxic relationship or prioritize your purity or fast from something or stop consuming something that you shouldn't be. It's not too late for you. God is not done with you yet. Fulfill your responsibility. God has called you and equipped you. Step into fearless faithfulness. just 
put the notes away. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Avery Waller, and I am here to talk about gentleness. I'm sure you expected to hear this message from a teenage ginger, but here we are nonetheless. Um, honestly, when I first felt God put this word on my heart, I immediately thought I was disqualified and that I wasn't ready to speak on gentleness. I was thinking I could literally speak on any other word. Why this one? I mean, I'm a ginger, I'm a teenager, that's a whole thing. Um, <laughs> and I get very snappy whenever I get anxious. Uh, I'm anxious a lot, but whenever I get like really anxious, my stepdad calls it Salty Avery. I just reject everything. I cannot handle any information coming at me, even if it's like someone trying to be like, hey, calm down. I'm like, I don't, I, I don't know. <laughs> um, I actually got very snappy with my mom just working on what I was going to say up here because I had my points. I just didn't know exactly how I was supposed to go about it. Like I'd do my introduction and then I'd like run over to my mom's room and I'm just like, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, she... She uh, was very patient and kind with me, though, even when she didn't want to be. And she helped guide me through to find the words that I was trying to use. I think one of the best stories in the Bible that shows gentleness is in the book of John, chapter 8, verses 2 through 6. At dawn, Jesus appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers, of the, laws and the, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. Just imagine the Pharisees drag this woman into the middle of town after just having caught her in the act of adultery. They wanted to humiliate her. And not only that, they brought her in front of everyone, and everyone had stones ready to throw them at her to kill her. If that is not humiliation at the highest level, I do not know what is. And the thing is, the townspeople were, like, ready, too. Like, they had their stones. They're like, oh, yes, this is the morning routine. Like, we're better than her. Like, she might have committed adultery. Like, you know, we might have lied. But, you know, this woman is way worse than us. We're so much better than her. It continues. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. We try to prioritize some sins over others. Like we think this sin is better than this sin or like this sin is worse than this sin. But all sins are the same. It doesn't matter what you did, what she did, what he did. It doesn't matter. We are all sinners. It continues at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Gentleness and grace should go hand in hand. We shouldn't be throwing stones at each other. We shouldn't be attacking each other. We should be showing people grace and gentleness. I love how he says, leave your life of sin. He doesn't just let her go and he's like, eh, you know, have a good day. He says, leave your life of sin. We should be encouraging people 
to leave their life of sin, not dragging them into it and encouraging them to join our fights. We shouldn't be attacking people. We're throwing stones at each other, whether it be on the internet, on the streets. It doesn't matter. We are attacking each other, and we should not be. It doesn't matter what they have done. There's a reason that you feel bad for yelling at someone rather than coming at them with reasonableness and kindness. It says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11, always try to do what is right, to be devoted to God, and to have faith, love, patience, and gentleness. We focus so much on faith, love, and patience, and those are wonderful qualities to have, and we should focus on those things. But we always tend to neglect gentleness. There is a reason that it is set apart, just like all the other words. We should focus on it just as much. We're taught that being angry is the same as being strong. If I yell at someone, that's strength. But that's not true. Yelling at someone is a weakness. Being angry is a weakness. Gentleness is strength. Thank you. Well, like it says on the screen right there, my name is Seth, and I want to talk about love today. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Okay. All right, but I want to talk about love today, and this passage of Scripture I'm going to be looking at is Psalms 13.5, and that says, But I will trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. You know, sometimes in life we put our faith in things that kind of let us down. Has anyone ever been let down by a sports team before? And show hands, a lot of people. For me, like a lot of people in this room, it's, it, I love them to death, but it's the Tennessee Volunteers. <laughs> I cannot tell you how many times I've sat in Neyland Stadium or in front of a TV screen, and they are just one play away, one tackle away, one touchdown away from winning the game at the most critical time. They mess it up. And my hopes and dreams are shattered, and I'm let down, I'm depressed. So, but I will say I'm still here. I'm keeping the faith and pretty solid season last year. And I'm just going to say right now, 2022 national champs. You heard it here first. So, but anyways, <laughs> amen. Okay. But, I'll, I'll, um, but we do that in life sometimes. We put our hope and trust in things that will let us down. They might not be negative or toxic things necessarily, but when we put our hope and our trust in those things for, and looking for fulfillment in those things and for hope in those things and affirmation in those things, that they will let us down. Maybe it's a relationship or maybe it's a substance, maybe it's something you're drinking or you're smoking or um, an addiction or maybe it's yourself. Maybe you tr put your trust in your ability to fix things in your life. And the thing is, is that we, and at the end of the day, we let ourselves down. We disappoint ourselves down more than anybody else in this world. And, thing, and so that can lead to some really unhealthy things. Maybe you should develop like self-hatred or you start defining yourself by the things you've fallen short in. Maybe like I'm, I'm too broken. I can't be loved. I can't be redeemed. I'm, I'm ashamed. And it reminds me of this story in the Bible called the prodigal son. And if you haven't heard of this story before, it's about a young man who's a son of a wealthy man. And he goes to his dad and he said, hey, dad, I want my inheritance now. 
you're dead to me. Bring me my money. I want to leave. And so the, the father obliges. He gives him his inheritance, and the, the son is on his way. And so he, the son throws himself into this reckless lifestyle, a lifestyle of partying and excess and all sorts of things. The thing is he puts his hope and his trust in the things of this world to fulfill him and to, and, you know, to bring him value. And the thing is he's let down so hard that he loses all of his money, all of his inheritance, and he has to go work on a pig farm. And he's, in fact, he's so close, he's so hungry that he thinks about, he's so close to eating pig food. Like the, the, the stuff that pig, the pig slop that the pigs are supposed to eat. But then he remembers, man, even the servants in my father's house had a better life than this. So he decides to go home. And the thing is, is that he's, head, he's headed back, his head's all hung low. And he says, I don't know if dad's going to accept me the way I am. But the thing is that the father's been looking for him. The father sees him and he rushes to him. He goes to him and he, and he embraces him. Even while he still smells like a pig, even though he still looks like a pig, he, he takes his ring off his finger, he puts it on his son's finger, he takes his robe and he puts it over his son's shoulder. And he, and he said, you know, fire up the grill. Kill the fattened calf because my son is home. And the thing is, that's God's love for us. That's God, God has an unfailing love for us, just like the verse says, Psalm 13, 5. But I will trust in your unfailing love. I want to tell you right now, when you put your hope in unfailing love, you'll never be let down. Come on. When you put your hope in unfailing love, you'll never be let down. The thing is, is that God sees you in your sin. You see how he sees you in your shame, all your brokenness, addictions, everything you hate about yourself, and he loves you anyways. In spite of those things, in spite of yourself, he loves those things anyways. He loves you. Nothing can separate us from the love that God has for us. Romans 8, 38 through 39 says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, nor height nor death, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate me from the love of, of God. Wow. God loves you so much more than you could ever love yourself. In fact, he loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you. John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. The thing is, Jesus died for you. He loved you so much he wanted to die for you. He died so that you could have life. There is no greater love than this. And so God sees us in our brokenness and our sin and our shame, and he loves us anyways. And I'm, so he says, I'm going to accept you and I love you. The thing is, I love you too much to leave you there. You're coming with me. The thing is, when I put my hope and I trust in unfailing love, I don't have to look back to that addiction anymore. I don't have to go back to that toxic relationship. Depression and anxiety doesn't have the same hold on me anymore because I am fulfilled in perfect love. Perfect love casts out all fear. The thing is, is that when we put our hope and trust in God's love, it's saying, I can love myself because God loves me, because God loves me first. I can accept myself and I can love myself. Thank God. Thing is, God's love changes the way we see ourselves. I'm a child of God. I'm accepted. I'm upright. I have a glorious inheritance. And thing is, so if if you're here today, and I just want to say, you know, if you're here today and you're in that place, oh, I've been in that place too. I've been broken. I've I've hated myself too. But the thing is, is that God's love don't give up because God's not giving up on you. Thing is, God love doesn't run out for you. He has a perfect love for you. So trust in that. Come home. The, the Father is waiting for it to come, embrace you, even in the midst of that stuff. So just want to say, when you put your hope and trust in God's unfailing love, you will never be let down. Thank you, guys. On transformation, next gen. I love it. Listen, he don't. Need no notes. That's what he said. So they're preaching notes flying everywhere. He said, I don't need no notes. This is who I am. This is in me. Come on, man. I'm so proud of you. You did it without notes. It's because it was who he is. It's 
his heart. It's a message. And I just pray that today as we close up that God spoke something to you, spoke something to your heart. The Holy Spirit has great aim. The Holy Spirit doesn't pick an age or, a, or an education level to bring the word through. I just pray that you don't discount maybe what God's speaking to you today. As we were preparing this morning and praying, and I just heard Isaiah 40. It's my daily reading, and it says that God gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. I've always heard that verse and read it, and I always thought it meant the same thing. Power to the weak, strength to the powerless. I'm like, God, that's a little redundant. What do you mean? And the Holy Spirit just starts speaking to me. He said, no, weak and weak and powerless are a little bit different. He says, I give power to the weak. Weak is people that feel like they can't go on any longer. People that don't have the, 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 the ability to continue. They're weak. This is what I heard this morning. This, there's people that just feel weak, and so I, they need power. But then it says he gives strength to the powerless. And I said, what's the powerless? He says, people that don't feel like they have the ability to make a difference or to change their scenario or to get out of their circumstance or don't feel like they have any power to 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 put onto the situation that's that they're facing maybe maybe you're in one of those places today and you're hearing these guys speak and maybe you feel man I'm just weak like I don't even have the energy to continue the fight I'm weak or then maybe some of you feel powerless I, not even not just that I'm weak I feel like I don't even have the power to to change things to change my marriage to change my own heart to to change the the racial tension in the in the world to change the the covid situation I don't have power and God says in Isaiah 40 I give I give power when you're weak and I give strength when you're powerless so I just pray that some of you would receive that I know the Holy Spirit told me that some of you in this place today, that's what we prayed for some of you need I know for me I needed some power in moments of weakness right now I was like man I just feel weak in some areas and I was talking to my wife on a walk last night I was like I need God's I need God's power some of you need the power of God to continue the walk some of you need the strength of God because you feel powerless Whatever it might be for you today, God has it. And he's speaking through these guys to, to infuse some of those things into us. And I love that. Would you just pray with me? Father, I thank you for the, the fact that you are on the scene. Lord, it's so easy to get weak in this, in this day and age. But Lord, we won't grow weary because we have your power available to us in our weakness. Lord, I pray that we would not continue sometimes to cover those areas of weakness. Sometimes we get concerned and we cover those areas. And, and when we get into a, a situation where we need people and help and your word, sometimes we don't have it. We're trying to build in the middle of that weakness. But God, I pray that we would do what it takes right now, that we would uncover certain things. We'd be honest with you. We'd be honest with our spouses and our friends. We would talk and we would, we would admit, God, we need your power right now. And we would be honest because you said in our weakness that your strength is made perfect. And so I pray that anybody that feels powerless in any scenario today, any, any situation where we, where we might feel powerless, that you would give us strength to continue the fight. You would give us strength that would strengthen our hope, that would strengthen our faith. Lord, you don't lead us with answers. You lead us with promises. And so I pray today that every promise you've made to each and every one of us, that we would grab a hold of it and that we would exalt it up above our circumstance and that we would be led by your promise, God. Lead us with your promises today. 
I pray just prophetically that anyone in this room that needs strength or power, you would infuse it supernaturally. God, we can't. We're not strong enough when we're powerless to make it, but you can supernaturally change our situation. You can supernaturally change our perspective, supernaturally change our mindset. You could speak one word of gentleness, one word of purpose, one, one, one vision of love. God, you can do that today. We're of all people, a people of hope. So I pray, God, when everything is being burned to the ground or torn down or it feels like the, the, the tension is too much, I pray that you would infuse your people with the things we need. I thank you that your word says that by the power of your word in Hebrews, you hold all things together. I just heard this prophetically on my heart right now. That God says in Hebrews, by the power of his word, he holds all things together. All things are held together by his word. Some of you are wondering why things are falling apart because you have no word on it. You're wondering why things are getting so stretched or so, de- so, so dilapidated maybe because there's no, the word is what holds it together. So Father, I pray that you would give us a word where, it, where we feel like anything might be breaking apart. I pray you would put your word on it. Holy Spirit, remind us of that word. Remind us of that promise. We as your people are called to carry your word. And situations around us, not just in our own life, but God, I pray right now, work situations, family situations, church situations, uh, relational situations, whatever it might be, that we would carry your word into it where things might be decaying or breaking down or feel dilapidated. I pray, oh God, that we would carry your word, not just written word, but the word full of faith and hope and life, God. I pray we would carry your word into scenarios, not our opinion, not our wisdom, not our theology, the word of God, not our politics. God, I pray today of all people, we would carry hope, we would carry faith, we would carry patience, we would carry gentleness, we would carry purpose. Lord, we need, we need that strength and power from you today. I know I need it, God. I thank you for a remnant in this place. I thank you for a a holy people. I thank you for for a people that are willing to say, I'll carry hope, I'll I'll gather, I'll unite, I'll unify. Father, let this just continue to be an overflow. Thank you for the freedom to be in this place. If you're in this place and I just want to take another second, maybe you're not right with God, maybe you're not walking tight with Jesus, maybe you don't have power and strength because you haven't surrendered to the one that offers power and strength. Maybe you've been trying to do it in your own strength. The Bible simply says this. I'm not going to embarrass you or stand you up or make you come forward, but I'm going to ask you that if this is the time for you to surrender your life to Jesus or to give your life to the one that has power for you, if you're ready to surrender, maybe you've become a Christian, but you've just walked away, or maybe maybe you've never really become a Christian. Maybe you've just kind of known church and known religion, but don't really have a relationship with Jesus and God because you've never surrendered to Him as your Savior and is your Lord. And today might be that day for you. I'm going to pray for you in a minute. I'm going to ask you just to put your hand up to me in a minute. And I'm going to include you in a prayer. And it's as simple as this. The Bible says if you would surrender your life to Jesus, you would get a fresh start in God. Just a brand new start. Maybe some of you here today need a fresh start in God. Maybe you need a relationship for the first time. Or maybe you just need His power and strength and need a fresh start in your walk with Him. Come on, the Bible, David said it, revive me 
restore to me the joy of your salvation. God, maybe some of you have lost the joy of his salvation. And today's a day for a fresh start. No one looking around. If you say, you know what, Jamie, that's me. I need a fresh start in some areas. I need, a, I need to become a Christian. I need a fresh start with God. On three, would you just put your hand up to me so I can pray for you? Include me in this prayer. One, two, three. Just put your hand up. Pray for me. If you say, Pastor, just pray for me. Come on, God bless you, young lady. I'm so proud of you. Come on, anybody else. I need a fresh start with God. I need a fresh start. I'm ready to surrender my own strength and my own power for his power. Awesome. Come on, church. Several people said yes. I'm going to pray a prayer right now. If you put your hand up, just pray this prayer with me and invite Jesus in as your Lord and Savior. The Bible says that he makes you a brand new person. Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, we open our heart up to you today. We thank you for everything you did on this earth. You came, you lived as a man, you lived as God, you died a perfect sinless life on that cross to remove all my sin and shame and guilt, past, present, and future. I surrender today in my own strength, my own power, my own way. I will not be the Lord of my life. You are the Lord of my life. I surrender to you as my Savior. I accept you as God and as my Savior, and I will serve you the rest of my life. I love you. Thank you for a fresh start in Jesus' mighty name. Come on. Amen, amen, amen. Give God praise. Several people in here saying yes like that. And I believe prophetically for power and strength into your life. If you made that decision, come on, as we close out today, if you made that decision, there's a fresh start table in the back. They'd love to put a book in your hand and pray with you. If you didn't make it verb or, or physically with your hand but made it in your heart, go back there and let them pray with you. And then if you're a guest hanging out with us, thank you for being here. It's an honor that you'd hang out for our Student Sunday. And can, Come on, give our guests a hand. Thank you, guys. Come on, what a great day. The church is, is advancing. The next generation is taking the Word of God to this city, and we can be hopeful in that. Uh, if you are a guest, we have a gift for you out at our guest area. Grab that there. And then we don't pass buckets. You hear me say that every week. You can give online. We kind of give as we go. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your faith. Thank you for your hope. Have an amazing week. Come on, let's be transformation everywhere we go. Love you guys.